Hey, this is James Ellsworth. The following announcement has been paid for by the WZWA Network. Hi, everybody. This is former WWE superstar Al Snow. And TWN is Sean Oliver. My name is Eugene. And you are watching the Insider's Edge podcast. Now get on the train. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast here in conjunction with the WCWA Network. I am your host, California in theory. I got myself a cold beer. I'm very nice. excited. I'm thrilled to, uh, to finally be back here with you. We've had a rough few weeks with some guests not being able to make their uh, scheduled meetings. But this guy is on the ball. He's a professional and he's been a professional wrestler for many years and a very successful one at that. Ladies and gentlemen... This man right here has one of the best journeyman stories in the history of professional wrestling. This is the one and the only James Ellsworth. What's up, guys? Happy to be here. Um, yeah, I told you guys I'd be on time. I'm sorry about your previous guest that no showed you weren't on time or <laughs> just, you know, we're unprofessional. That sucks. <laughs> it's upsetting, uh, man, it especially when you've, you've sent them money because they begged you to. Uh, and then don't respond to you for several days after no showing the interview, which we would I, have uh, to stay up till about 11 p.m. at night, our time, in order to, to do. So I hear you. I mean, I promote shows myself, so I understand. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so, James, I wanted to start things off today uh, with the same old question we ask everyone when we bring them on, is how did you become a wrestling fan? I have been watching wrestling since I can remember. I don't remember not being a wrestling fan. Like when I was a kid, I remember turning on like NWA and seeing Ricky Morton. Then I remember turning on WWF and seeing the Ultimate Warrior. Those are the two wrestlers I remember, like first remember, is Ricky Morton and the Ultimate Warrior, which is unbelievable because they're two different types of wrestlers. But they both caught my attention. So those are the two wrestlers that I remember at first. And it's probably. 1988, 1989, late 80s when I started watching. I'm, I'll be 36 here in a few weeks, so that's how old I am. I'll be 36 years old. And, yeah, so 1988, 1989, NWA, WWF, when I first started getting into it. Cool. Was wrestling cool in school? Did you have a lot of friends that watched it as well and you could hang out with? And... Well, yeah, in middle school, in elementary school, see, I went to I, – I grew up in Baltimore, Maryland, the United States. And if I don't know if you guys are familiar, but if you look it up, it was a little rough. <laughs> and uh, so growing up, I mean, you know, kids watch wrestling and everything. Once I got into middle school, wrestling started becoming pretty popular amongst, uh, you know, the people in my grades and all. In middle school and high, in high school, when I went to high school, was the Attitude Era. So wrestling was um, very popular in the Attitude Era. And everybody in school knew about it, even if they – Pretended like they didn't like it. They knew The Rock. They knew Stone Cold. They knew DX. They knew the NWO. So, yeah, I would say middle school to high school. It was pretty popular here in the U.S. No, that's cool, man. A lot, a lot of our, our journeys with, with being a fan are different. I know Jack's story is quite different because he's a bit oh, younger man. than myself and yourself. But, uh, like, I, I was a fan as it was cool and then when it was no longer cool in our our city so uh and for jack i think you you would say that you were a fan when it was never like it was cool for like you know when it kind of had that resurgence in like 2006 2007 2008 through that period there um yeah. everyone i knew liked it again but after that like by the time from my memory when it was cm punk john cena the nexus and all that shit like wrestling sucked yeah the cm punk stuff that's when it started kind of being cool again but it didn't get to like where it should have been because CM Punk was great and he was trying yeah. his ass off. He was trying so hard to make it what it should be again, and it just didn't quite get there. But it, I mean, he did a hell of a job, really trying to, to get it uh, to be cool again. I agree, uh, yeah. Hardly, yeah. Um, so you know, you're a fan as the, these years go on. Uh, what point in your life do you decide, okay? this is something that I want to do. I'm going to go start training. Well, again, I don't remember not wanting to do it. I always just wanted to do it. And like, awesome. I have a little brother. So I used to hit all the moves on my little brother at a very young age. I remember putting him in the figure four of the sharpshooter. Like I was young. I was probably 
eight and he was five when I was putting him in the figure four and sharpshooter that young of an age. <laughs> and those were my two favorite holds to put on. And, um, yeah, then I, I graduated high school when I was 17 and four days later started wrestling school. We had a little party, graduation party for me and all the money that I got in the cards and all. I mean, every last dollar went to wrestling school. And I remember my parents being so mad. Like, you're, this is how you're starting your life. You're spending every dime you have to go to wrestling school. I'm like, yeah, this is what I want to do. You only get one life, and this is what I want to do. My dad was just so irate. He wanted me to go to the military. He's like, man, you're <laughs> going to break your neck. You're too small to do this. Like, that's all I said, well, I mean, this is what I want to do. And, I mean, he gave me his blessing, but he was really against it. And, yeah, I started four days after high school. All right, yeah, I can, I can imagine, you know, t telling your parent that would be kind of like telling them that you wanted to be a ventriloquist or something right. like that. So yeah, I They can, don't I can... understand it. Yeah, they no. didn't understand it at all. <laughs> My dad was oh, yeah. the same with me. Um, so what made you decide to uh, go with Axel Rotten as your uh, trainer? Well, I went to a school called Bone Breakers here in, um, in Baltimore, and at first, like that was that I knew that was Axel's. Uh, he was the head trainer of that school, and when I first got there, he wasn't around much. But later on, I was, you know, he started to come around a lot more often. And then I um, went on the road with him a lot, and he would train me before shows and just being in the car rides with him, listening to stories, listening to him tell me how, um, you know, like a match should be put together and how you know the most important thing is you know, feeling the crowd out and giving them what they want. Every crowd's different. Every, you know, you might get something that might work one night in front of one crowd might not work the next night in front of another crowd and yeah. just stuff like that. But he, man, like he get he doesn't get enough credit for how smart he was about wrestling. Cause everybody remembers him as a hardcore guy. Um, he just kind of used the hardcore thing to become popular. Like he, you know, he wrestled in Memphis with Lawler and all the territories, and he was in WCW for a brief bit back in the early 90s, and he really knew his stuff. And, it, like, everybody just remembers him from Taipei Deathmatch and Hardcore Chair Swing and Freak and all the hardcore stuff. To him, that was just a gimmick to, to help him get over. <laughs> so, but he, I'm glad I got trained by him 100%. I'm very happy and fortunate that he was my trainer, for sure. Excellent. Uh, and, and, you know, what do you think you learned the most from the experience of uh, spending so much time with him? Oh, man, like, like I said, just how less is more, how every, make every little thing, every little, every little thing in a wrestling match has to count. Every little thing in a wrestling promo has to count. And the more you slow it down, the more the audience absorbs. Like, I mean, you know, like today in wrestling, you hear a lot of old timers, and I swear I sound like a lot of them. Say, man, these guys are flipping and flopping around. You can't keep up with it. Like, yeah, it, it's very impressive and very entertaining that these guys can flip and flop around. But, like, you know, you don't remember the match. You just remember, oh, man, he can do this yeah. cool flip. You don't remember the match. You don't remember the story. You don't remember, like, you know, like Rey Mysterio, for instance, is the best, like, high flyer of all time. And when he got to WWE and really, like, became world champion and, got, and became this mega star – he slowed it down. He did the six one nine, and you just and he would set up for it. He would tease it in the match, and he would, you know, like that. His biggest move was a six one nine, and I could do a six one nine. It's not too hard, <laughs> and um, you know, so just stuff like that that make every little thing count when when you're out there performing. Cool, man, and then and, you know, big shout out to Axel Rotten. Uh, he's no longer with us, but I I was always a massive fan of his, and um, I was glad that we were able to, you know speak about him this early on because i really do think he uh is one of the most underrated uh superstars that were you know in the big three uh, in wrestling yeah history. man uh, yeah. Jack. so how long into your training uh did you end up working your first match and uh how was that for you like uh, talk us through your first match well so at our wrestling schools and a lot of wrestling schools do this there's birthday parties where a um a family will come in pay some money have a wrestling birthday party like and at our wrestling school we you know they would get one match where you know we'd have a party they'd get like free action figure free tickets to our next indie show and then we would have a match in front of them and that was good for like us new guys that were students but being in front of a small crowd at the first time some of these birthday parties sometimes these birthday parties would have 15 people 20 people whatever and whoever was at the school would do the matches 
And there was this girl by the name of Alexis Lorraine and I at the school. It was just us two at the school that day. And I was like maybe three months in. I didn't know. I barely do anything. And I was three months in. And they're like, well, it's only you two here today. So you got to have the match. And I was like, man. And I looked really young when I was 17. I, I've really aged since then. I've been through hell. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I was really young. And um, so they made me put a mask on. And wrestling with a mask on. It's so hard. It's it's not easy at all. And they put a mask on me, and this girl, Alexis Lurie, um, you know, we get there, we do a little bit. You know, she knew I didn't know much. At this time, she was like, you know, maybe three years in. So, she, I mean, she was great. But, um, you know, it's just a green guy against a person with just minimal experience. And I remember she hit me with one of these forearms, and my mask went sideways, and I couldn't see. And this is my first time wrestling <laughs> in front of a crowd. And – Here's here's the uh, cool thing about that story. That girl, Alexis Lorraine, later became Mickey James. Oh shit! Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. And so, my first match, Mickey and I are friends to this day. My first match was against Mickey James. And every time we see each other, we we really just smile about that and bring that up. And at WWE, I only got to work with Mickey on house shows. Like she, you know, they'd have like uh, her and maybe like her and Becky Lynch against Carmella and Alexa Bliss. And I'd be on the floor and, you know, a lot of times Carmella would throw Mickey on the floor and Mickey would roll over to me and start untying my shoes on the floor. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I love Mickey. And that, that was my first match in front of a crowd of probably 16, 17 people in, in a wrestling school. And it, it, it's just crazy that it was against Mickey James when her name was Alexis Lurie. What a way for things to sort of come full circle. Uh, so your first matches with her and then, you know, you're working with her again in the WWE. Uh, even, yeah. even if it is on just on house show, that's still, uh, still insane to think about. Um, so, of course, you're just fresh out of high school. Um, you're probably a couple, uh, maybe a year into training or so. You're working a couple of matches. Uh, so you haven't been quite smartened up to the uh, sort of the, uh, the filth of the professional wrestling industry. Do you have any sort of um, horror stories of any indie promoters uh that you didn't quite, uh, you know, you were too young to sort of know better. Oh man, uh, <laughs> there's so many horror stories. Like I, I, I like me, dude. I, I got in the business to get at young age of seventeen, and I'm one of the boys, man. I don't stooge on the boys. I don't get in the boys' business outside of when we're in um, the building with each other. Yeah. You know, when we're in that building, if I see somebody do something that's putting somebody in danger, putting somebody in a position they don't want to be in, I, I say something. But like, I think the business now is just it's crazy to be that people stoogled people people are they're in each other's business they're tweeting yeah. about it like oh so God, you know i i hate that man well, this is just entertainment like i don't like when we're in that building if we're all available to wrestle and we're all there we we should just care about you know taking care of each other in the ring and making sure at the show everybody's okay and in a safe environment but so I, you know i'm not a big fan of that but yeah there's hard there's a lot of horror stories like promoters oh the house is white brother we don't have your payday we don't have your pay yeah. off you'll get it in the mail and um just i remember this one time i showed up here's a bad this is a terrible story uh, a couple of years ago actually um i showed up for a signing in virginia and i show up at the place and i go in and the promoter's not there the, the person is uh. like i'm like where's this guy at and they were and um they were like he's not here they're, they're like we know we're promoting you and I still did the signing for the fans yeah. without getting paid because I, I was there and the fans were there and I was fresh off the TV and that was, uh, it was at a pay-per-view party, like a WWE pay-per-view was on and um, they had a signing where I was there and the guy just never showed up and I sat there and I signed for everybody. I hung out all night. I mean, the fans were nice. Like they bought me food and drinks and like, I, like I was even explaining to them, like, you know, this guy does usually do this and, like they're like, uh, you, you know, he's hit or miss. I'm like, he's hit or miss. Like, so um, I'm, I'm still chasing that guy down for that buddy. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> so I mean that, but that happened at a like uh, an early age too. I remember my first money in the business was five dollars, and there was a Wendy's next door, and the guy had he, he gave us like five dollars of like I swear I kid you not like a Wendy's coupon. Oh, <laughs> like, <man>. uh, <laughs> and i mean there's a lot of i, I have a lot of horror stories but i i just like i said i don't stooge on anybody i don't nah. tattletale anybody a lot as long as they're not putting somebody in danger or in a position they don't want to be in there's there's plenty of people that 
pretend like they've been in positions they don't they didn't want to be in, but they you know they put themselves in that position and wanted oh, to be definitely. in that. It's it, it, it just you know it's just a sick. You know I, I love wrestling, but wrestling's not you know people you hear the horror stories and you hear it's really not that bad. It, it's you know and any job you have your people that are clowns no matter what you have your people that are bad people no matter and you have your good people and that wrestling's no different than working at burlington co factory <laughs> there's just people that are nice and people that aren't nice it's yeah it's no different man for sure yeah i feel like you're gonna get that in every industry no matter what uh right. some worse than others um and, and unfortunately the entertainment business probably has about uh probably one of the worst reputations for most industries but i mean it is what it is uh, so moving on, uh, you found yourself working for uh, CZW. How did that uh, come about? Well, I didn't really work for CZW too much. I um, I have this friend, uh, I, I was just talking to him yesterday, Ruckus. And Ruckus is an amazing, amazing, yeah. amazing wrestler. Uh, you guys heard of Ruckus? Yeah, Ruckus, Ruckus is awesome. never really got the break he should have gotten. I, I don't know if a lot of it's because he just didn't want it but i mean he you know he's traveled to all over the world he's been to japan iwpg and he's did a little stuff here with ring of honor and he, he but he you know he's amazing a lot of guys you see on tv this he's uh, today like copied a lot of the stuff that he's done and he's so creative and innovative and you know a lot of his moves like i'll see somebody hit a move on tv i'm like yeah, ruckus came up with that and you know um so anyway, I would travel back in the mid-2000s, 2005, 2006, 2007. I'd travel to shows with him. And um, he was, you know, he just saw something in me, knew I could uh, talk on the microphone. He just thought I was funny. And we're both from Baltimore. And he just, you know, the, back in those days, not a lot of people saw anything in me because I was so small. I didn't really have a gimmick. I kind of looked like Kid Rock with long, brown, stringy hair. And, um yeah, but he would take me to shows and try to get me on it, try to explain to promoters, like, hey, this guy has something. He's really funny. He's really good on the money. You should use him. So you know, CZW would use me here and there. But, man, like, I I'm such an old-school, like, wrestler in heart. I, I love NWA, AWA, World Class, Memphis, uh, old WWF, like that old, you know, Memphis style of wrestling. Like, I would go to CZW, and, I mean, I know there's an audience for that. And I know there's people that love it. It just wasn't my cup of tea, and it wasn't for me, you know, like the deathmatch stuff and the barbed wires yeah. and the ble and like the and the just the, the you know the profanity, like there's so much of it that it doesn't mean anything, you know, yeah. like if everybody's saying the f word, the f word means nothing because you're just hearing it and everybody. So you know, I nothing against those guys; they're still around to this day. It's just not personally. I knew it wasn't for me, so I stopped going. I did have a few matches there, and I had a good time. I was there by the school, but. I was like, yeah, this ain't for me. This is not my cup of tea in wrestling. And, and you know, and it's funny. People argue. People Like, that's another crazy thing about wrestling. Whatever somebody's into, if somebody else is not into it, they will argue their point and get so mad. And me, I'm like, no, this is just my humble opinion. I like old school wrestling. If you like new school wrestling and the high flying and the acrobats and the blood and the guts and all, that's cool. That's you. I'm not mad at you for it. That's what you're entertained by. I personally like the Midnight version of Rock and Roll Express all day long. <laughs> so this wasn't for me, I guess. Man, and that is like, at that point you just made, there is such a big problem in wrestling today is fans attack each other over their preferences in wrestling. And it's, uh, it's at <laughs> some points this gets absolutely they're, they're that, man. They're, like I said, they're in everybody's business. They don't know, like, unless you're, you were present for a situation, you don't know what happened. And then, like, yeah, like you said, they, they fight over, TV ratings and <laughs> like wrestling uh, fans fighting over yeah TV ratings is stupid because they've never been in the fucking in the uh, TV industry before they they don't know anything about ratings so they, they, don't, like, they don't even no understand clue. they would be able to explain what the Nielsen rating system means or anything like that they don't get well that. I mean it's crazy because like uh, but most wrestling fans aren't like that it's just the internet yeah it's just yeah. a bad example of wrestling fan to me because man to this day like. I don't know how long it'll last, if it'll last five more years of the rest of my life. But if I go to Walmart or Target, or I always get recognized, whether it's somebody shopping or somebody working there. You know, like I, it, like even with the mask on, I don't know how they can tell, like, because you have to wear a mask at the stores now. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, and they're so nice. People are so nice. Like, oh, man, I remembered you and AJ Styles, you and Carmella. And, like, they, they, I don't know, and they're just so nice. Yes. 
I'm like, this is the real wrestling fan. It's just people, you know, shopping at Walmart and they see a wrestler and they're excited and they want to talk. Like, in the internet, I think that people just want a reaction and a like, like off the troll or off the saying something mean to somebody. But I don't think, I think them, there's a silent majority of wrestling band that are very cool, just want to be entertained, just want to have fun. And, you know, like there's just a loud minority that just want to be rude and ignorant and inconsiderate. Yeah. Good. Back to you, Carl. Right. Um, so, James, uh, you're 36 now. You started when you're 17, so that's 19 years so far you spent in the wrestling business. Uh, such a long, winding journey for you. Uh, and as I said at the beginning, you're a journeyman. Uh, was there, would you say over those years, there was a point where you felt that you could live comfortably off it? Did you have to get a job on the side if the, the business wasn't going so well? Because um, obviously when WWE is not doing very well, then it kind of has a trickle-down effect for a lot of uh, other places. But um, did you find yourself having a, 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 a comfortable living over the years? Well, before WWE, I always had a regular job and did indies and, and ran my own independent wrestling company that around 2015 started being pretty successful. Um, that's I was able to buy a house because my indie promotion started being successful and I was working a regular job, a part-time job, and on Wednesday and Saturday mornings delivering papers. So uh, there was one time wow. where I had a regular job, a part-time job, delivering papers, wrestling indie shows, and running my own promotion. And then I had a baby on the way, and I adopted another kid from the um, same mother previous like 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 an insane amount of i don't know when i slept i don't know if i ever did for those couple of years (laughs) but i yeah i always i've worked with people with special needs before wwe for um eight years and um so i had a lot of fun doing that i had a full-time job doing that and a part-time job doing that on the side just working with people with special needs a lot of fun loved it um you know and uh yeah that like i said my adrenaline championship wrestling started becoming pretty it's decent in this area maryland pennsylvania area um here in the states and you know i remember i made like we had this show here and drew like 1500 people which is just that bad you get 1500 people to any show today you're yeah. a millionaire feels like. but i remember i was like oh, i have all this money i could buy a house now and i bought a house and um so I bought my first house in Mar- March of 2016. I, I was like, man, I got a really nice house. How the heck am I ever going to pay for this other than just work these two jobs my whole life and do indie shows and run a promotion and deliver newspapers on the side? I was like, how am I going to do this? That was March of 2016. <laughs> and then the Strowman oh. match happened in ju- July of 2016. I was oh, like, oh, man. It's becoming easy now. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Great timing. That's, oh, man, I'm, I'm, uh, that's a great story. I really appreciate that. Thank you, James. Um, mm. So, yeah, let's, let's talk about the Strowman match. Uh, so you're at that point in your life. There's so much going on. How am I going to keep my head above water with all so much going on? Baby on the way. House to look after. How did the uh, TV match with Strowman uh, get lined up? Well, it's crazy. So, uh, two weeks before the Strowman match, I, I was sitting in a locker room in Delaware, in, in Milford, Delaware. I don't forget it. There's like 40 people in the crowd because Delaware is the smallest state in the country in the U.S. And I'm sitting in the locker room I'm like, man, there's 40 people out there. You know, I'm going to wrestle hard. I'm going to give them, you know, all, and I'm going to make these 40 people out. I was like, man, what am I doing? Like, I've been wrestling at this point to 14 years. I was like, man, I need to slow down. I've, I'm never home. I was literally home on Sundays, Monday yeah. through Friday. I would work those two jobs and get home at like seven at night. And by the time I ate, I'd be tired, you know, and go to sleep. So uh, like Sunday would be my only day. I'd be home the whole day. And I was like sitting there. I'm like, man, uh, maybe I'll just run my promotion, wrestle for myself. And then if there's bigger opportunities or bookings where I know there's going to be a lot of people and I can make some money on indie shows, I'll go. So I remember, Two weeks prior, I was I was going to slow down in wrestling. So the Strowman match, when they come to your area, WWE, um, 250 miles or less, they tell you, you could sign up to be an extra. What that means is you can go there and you can get a squash match and get beat up real quick. You could be a fake security card, a fake cop, a fake doctor, 
whatever they need at the time, a rosebud, which I did, you know, two years prior to that or a year prior to that. Like, you know, whatever they need you for that day, and you have to be unknown. You have to be somebody nobody knows. That way they don't look at the TV and go, oh, there's so-and-so. I know him from the Indies because he's popular on the Indies. I wasn't popular on the Indies. So, I, um, you know, anytime they would come to town, I would write them, hey, I'm available. Uh, and I'd say 50% of the time they would use him, 50% they wouldn't. So this particular time, I got an email a week before, hey, we need you an extra talent for three days, which was cool because I never did three days in a row. It was Washington, D.C. for Battleground, um, Pittsburgh for Raw, and Buffalo, New York for SmackDown. And I um, so I got the email a week before. And I'm like, okay, cool. And, um, yeah, I, I showed up in Washington, D.C., which is 45 minutes from my house on that Sunday for Battleground. And I – remember this pay-per-view because it was Bailey's first time on the main roster. She was Sasha Banks' mystery tag partner. And I remember seeing Bailey when I wasn't supposed to, like sneak on the bus. So she was hiding. And I was like, oh, Bailey's here. She's going to be Sasha's partner. So I remember sneaking in the crowd just because I knew Bailey was going to get a good reaction uh, when her music hit. And I remember when they announced Bailey to place with nuts. I was like, man, this has got to be cool for these, these guys to get reactions like this. And this and that. And then, yeah, the next day I drove up to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania here in the U S and that was the day of the Strowman match. Right. Cool. So, um, take us through the, uh, that Strowman match and, and I guess the response that might've taken place afterward. Oh, it, so that day was so nuts. Um, I actually, I, I haven't told this story much, but my ankle was killing me that day because the day before uh, the battleground pay-per-view Zach Ryder wrestled Rusev and, they, were, they needed an extra for Zack Ryder to practice uh, this move on. If you go back and watch that match, Zack Ryder and Rusev, uh, Zack Ryder goes for an elbow drop off the top rope, and Rusev rigs in his legs, and Zack Ryder drops the elbow on his legs, you know, to hurt his elbow. Yeah. And he's never done that before. So they just picked me for him to try it on. And the first time – and he tried it the first time, did it. It was clean, not, didn't feel nothing. The second time, timing was off, but they, would, they didn't know this. At the time, he was all boom, and I just, like, hurt my ankle. He, like, landed – he's a big guy. landed on my yeah. ankle, like, boom. And I didn't sell it. It, it was painful. Like, but I didn't – you know, Art Anderson was the one having him try it. And I was like, oh, yeah, it felt great. Meanwhile, it hurt like hell. Like, and I couldn't walk. I remember the hotel that night. No, back at my house. I stayed at my house that night. I put – um no, I, I did – I went to a hotel because we drove to Pittsburgh. I put ice. I got ice from 7-Eleven and – laid it on my ankle that night and the next day I could hardly walk going into the Strowman match but I hit it I didn't tell anyone right. I was hurt or not. and so anyway they get all of us extras there's like six of us, six of us guys and um, a couple of girls too and that's a good story too but there's uh, six guys and and Arn Anderson comes up to us hey Braun Strowman's making his debut tonight without the wide family it's gonna you know he's getting a singles push you know he, he hasn't been on TV in a while so we're gonna have him squash guys for a few weeks and and um he's like whoever throws the best punch gets the match and he's like you're the smallest <laughs> one let, let, let me see your punch i'm like all right i threw a punch and Arn anderson goes all right guys i don't need to see anybody else i'm gonna use him and i was like none of them other guys got the throw one i was like sorry guys wow wow so <laughs> he gets me in the ring he's like all right throw two punches on braun i threw two punches on him he's like and Arn Anderson's like, man, you got a good punch. Where who? Where'd you learn to punch? I said, uh, Axel Rotten. He was, oh, Axel. He's like, yeah, I didn't like him very much. I'm like, oh shit. Now, <laughs> I, like, I, guess they knew each other. I guess they knew each other for WCW, and there was a, I, like, I, I don't know that. I guess they didn't like each other. I don't. I have no clue what happened there, but because I love Arn, Arn's yeah. a tremendous guy. I learned a lot from, um, and Axel. Uh, could be a little immature at times. <laughs> but uh, so I remember these writers coming up to me and they're like, hey, each week when we do these Strowman matches, we're going to have the uh, extra talent cut a promo. It's like your last words before you go to the chair. You got you get to say your last words. Yeah. And we're like, oh, okay. And they're like, the sucky part is like, after you do this, we'll probably never see you again because he literally has to kill kill you and – you know, these are your last words. I'm like, oh, I was like, well, this will be my one WWE match ever, so I better make this pretty good. And um, so Jimmy Jacobs, who I love, um, wrote the promo. And I remember asking him, I said, hey, man, I'm hitting him twice. Can I say any man with two hands has a fighting chance? Because 
it's kind of like a Rocky line mixed with a little bit of my own words. Because Rocky Five, um, Rocky says, eh, if you have, you know, two fists, you have a chance. Anybody with two fists has a chance is what he says. So I switched it to any man with two hands has a fighting chance. And um, he's like, yeah, man, that's a great line. Say it. Whatever. That's cool. I was like, oh, that easy. All right, cool. So I went out there, said that, and Vince liked the line so much, he started paying attention to me when he was supposed <laughs> to be paying attention to Strowman because, oh, you know, wow. that's his guy. <laughs> so we have the match, and I – like, it's weird. When you're a performer, when you're a wrestler, you're performing there, you know when you've done a good job and you've, you know when you've let a stinker out there. Like, you just know when it's over with. As soon as the, the match is over, you know if it was good or bad right away in your head. So – after it was done, I was walking back. I was like, kind of like, yeah, I, I feel like I did a good job. I felt like I sold well for him. I felt like I take it, took everything good. I, I was like, yeah, I felt. So I get to the bank, back, and Arn goes, hey, Vince wants to see you. And I'm like, oh, shit, I'll oh be trouble. God. I fucked. What did I do wrong? <laughs> like, I was scared. <laughs> and he's like, and then Arn was scared of me. I thought it was on purpose. He goes, I'm going to tell you what, kid. Vince never wants to see the extras. He never talks. I don't know what the hell he wants, but he wants to see you. I'm like. Uh, like I, I did walk down the aisle and I wasn't supposed to. I was supposed to like before this was a commercial break. I was supposed to walk through the crowd and through the bellkeeper's table in the ring, but I wanted to walk down the aisle, so be selfishly walk down the aisle. <laughs> so I thought he was gonna yell at me for that. That's what I thought in my head. I was like, do me out for walking down the aisle when I was told not to. And you know, this is WWE and he's the boss. I was like, I'm about it. That, so I was scared, but when I got to him, I was like, all right, well, this is pretty cool. He's about to chew my ass out, but I could have a cool story about how I got chewed out by Vince. Instead, he goes, that was excellent, pal. I'm like, oh, thank you. I'm going to hire you. I'll, I'll be in touch. It shakes my hand, and, uh, and I laughed. I was like, that, like I thought he was kidding. And Triple H was standing right there, too. Triple H is now. He's serious. He'll be in touch with you. Wow. I'm like, what? Like, and I, you know, so I went and sat down. And catering just by myself, and I like try to. I was like, "Did I just hear that right?" And then Strowman comes out to me. He's like, "Hey, good job. You made me look great. Gave me a hug, and he's all sweaty." And and I was like, "Man, he got sweat on my suit." I started thinking about that. <laughs> but then I like, I was like, "What the?" And then I get my car, and I was riding with another guy, one of the other extras. And the first thing he talks about, he's like, "Hey, did you see that girl extra break her nose?" And that girl extra was uh. Britt Baker, who's on AEW now, doing a tremendous uh, job with AEW. Oh, wow. But she wrestled Nia Jax that same night. She was the girl that wrestled Nia Jax, and they locked up. And Nia Jax threw her down, and, and uh, Britt uh, hit her nose. And I broke her nose that night. And that's the first yes. thing he said. I'm like – and I looked at him and go, dude, like, you know, I hope Britt's okay. <laughs> and I was like, uh, I was like, I think Vince McMahon just told me he was going to hire me. And the, and the guy goes, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> you know, like, I'm like, no, I really – think he just said he was gonna hire me and then the guy didn't believe me and the next day we go to smackdown in buffalo and we walk in and one of the cameramen there uh marty's his name he's a really cool guy i got to know him once i started working there we as soon as we walk in the door he goes hey kid you're gonna be a star and like the cameraman said that and i remember the guy that I was traveling with goes no, see, everybody's just messing with you because of these memes on the internet and all this funny stuff people's putting up about you. They're all messing with you. He's like, don't let it go to your head. I was like, I think this guy's kind of jealous. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think he's like, <laughs> and which later on I found out he was. Uh, he just, you know, fake friend kind of thing. And, um, yeah, so I was it's just, it was weird. So a couple days after that, WWE.com did an interview with me. And I remember the last question they asked me was, where do you hope this leads? And I go, well, I hope it leads to a job with WWE. I was like, my dream wasn't to be a guy that got beat up once on Raw and never be seen again. I said, my dream is to be a superstar. I was like, any guy that gets beat up real quick on Raw or SmackDown or whatever, you know, it's funny because a lot of those guys will use that going, oh, yeah, I was on WWE, da, da, da. Yeah, but you just got beat up real quick. You're not a superstar. You're not signed. You know, that's, that's what I always thought. I would always – think about those guys or look at those guys like man you're putting on a poster as seen on wwe tv and all that like oh, and then when yeah. people look you up like oh who's this guy he's a wwe and they look you up and they just see you get beat real quick by uh you know the colognes or something <laughs> and you're like, uh, <laughs> yeah but so yeah they did an interview with me wwe.com great interview if you look it up one of my favorites i've ever done and then 
Chris Jericho tweeted that he wanted me on Jericho's on his podcast. And wow. he had called me that same night. I forgot to tell that part of the story. He got my number from a referee that same night of the Strowman match and called me just to tell me how good of a job I did. Awesome. Chris Jericho. Fuck yeah. And, and I'm like, and then the guy driving the car is like, and he swore, he's like, these guys are just ribbing you, man. This is a rib. Don't fall for it. I'm like, I don't know, man. They seem pretty sincere. And then he, I got on Jericho's podcast. And I owe a lot to Chris Jericho, man. He's been such a good friend to me. He really helped push me those first uh, few uh, weeks there uh, between the Strowman match and me coming back six weeks later for SmackDown. And let I me mean, push me on talk is Jericho push my t-shirt sales um, that I, you know, I had a shirt on the Indies within those six weeks available and he helped push those. And he wrote about me in his book that I'm my own chapter. Like it's called the Ellsworth Chronicles. And I, he, I owe a lot to Chris Jericho. I, I tell him all the time. I think he's probably tired of me telling him how much I appreciate him and how grateful I am for him. Cause I tell him all the time still to this day. Uh, I think he's tired of it. All right, I get it. I get it. You're brave. <laughs> like, I, mean, you know, I, I just like I because every now and then I'll sit here and think about all oh, the cool stuff I got to do, and he, he really helped push it. But yeah, man, that's kind of the uh, beginnings of WWE there for me. It just seems like everything was just snowballing straight away as soon as you had this one match on television. You said that one line. It's just snowballing, and there's mm -hmm. things about you on the internet. You're on Jericho's podcast, and told you're going to get signed. I just, uh, yeah, this is just such a, a a dream come true. And, you know, for you to be standing there at, what was it, Battleground uh, and thinking, man, I wish, you know, it would be so great if I could have that kind of reaction and, and be a part right. of what these guys do. Now, all of a sudden, not that long later, you're actually going to get that opportunity to, to have those moments and feel those moments. So, you know, just to take a quick sidebar, what was it like feeling that for the first time after wanting it for so long? Well, it, so <clears throat> my first time back after that yeah. was uh, Smack, SmackDown in Philly. And I remember they're like, we're doing this thing where AJ Styles is looking for a partner and nobody wants to team with him because he's, you know, he was a, becoming a heel. So we're, we're going to make it look like nobody on the roster likes him. Nobody wants to team with him. He's like, they're going to bring you in. He said, we're going to see how, like, how, what kind of reaction you get. He's like, cause you've been off TV for six weeks. He's like, yeah, like, yeah you've been pretty popular on the internet. Um, he's like, and Philadelphia is a big, you know, smart crowd. And um, they're like, we're going to see what kind of reaction you get. We're, we're testing the waters here. And I remember, like, if you go back and watch this, like, Daniel Bryan goes, we found a partner for you, AJ. And I walk in, and the place, that, that's the first big pop I ever got in WWE. The place just went nuts. Oh, man, and, and this was live. And I went to shake his hand. He didn't shake my hand. Or and then when they go and cut, Shane McMahon, like, was my biggest fan. He goes, Shane McMahon goes, did you hear that pop, everybody? And he's like, I like put me, I think maybe he had a bet with somebody that I was going to get a pop or not. I don't know. Like, <laughs> he really pumped it up. Like, man, what a pop. And, da -da -da. and so I remember that was the, that's the first time I felt a reaction like that with the WWE audience. I, that night in Philly, there was over 10,000 people. Philly's just great wrestling town. And just to hear 10,000 people going nuts like that for you, I was like, well, that was cool. Like, that's, that's, that's what it's like, you know. And, and, like, I owe a lot to the fans for helping me, you know, push me on the Internet and all that. But, you know, the fans, like, a lot of fans go, oh, it's because us, uh, of us, you were there. I'm like, no, Vince McMahon told me right after the Strowman match he was going to hire me. It was Vince McMahon. <laughs> like, and, um, but, yeah, I loved it. Look, the fans, uh, they would just, like I said, most wrestling fans are awesome. Most are very genuine and appreciative. And when I do signings, when I do indie shows, they're so cool. But, yeah, that first pop, like you were saying, to, to get back to your point, that I felt, well, that was six weeks after Battleground, and I was like, wow, that's what it's like. That's really cool. I was like, man, I hope I get more moments, you know, to make a reaction like that. And, um Luckily and very fortunate for me, I was able to uh, have a plenty of moments where reactions like that would happen. Absolutely. Over to you, Jack. Yeah, so uh, how long after Vince McMahon said, we're going to hire you, did he actually contact you? Because, uh, I mean, we always hear mixed stories that, you know, that could be the next day, could be three months later. I mean, in your case, we know you were on TV not long after. So how long did Vince take to uh, contact you again? 
Well, it was correct. So every week they would contact me after a Strowman match. Like, uh, they did the interview with WWE.com. That was on a Wednesday after the Monday. So two days later, I did the interview for WWE.com. And I remember on Friday, they're like, hey, we're going to need you for Raw Monday. This is a, oh, wow. you know, a Friday after. And I'm like, okay, so they have my plane ticket ready and all this. And they then I got an email the next day on the Saturday. Hey, sorry, never mind. Like, it's too early to bring you back because Strowman just beat you up. Like, you can't come <laughs> back the next week. I found out later that I was – Chris Jericho was going to bring me out, and he was feuding with Enzo and Kaz at the time, him and Kevin Owens. And Chris Jericho was going to bring me out dressed as Enzo and beat me up. <laughs> and awesome. I, I, I was, uh, yeah, that would have been cool. Like, <laughs> um, And then, man, every week they would – like, so a week after that, hey, SummerSlam's coming up. We're doing this angle where Heath Slater's trying to get – he's undrafted. We just did the draft. He's undrafted on Raw or SmackDown. So we're going to do – a match on SummerSlam between you and Heath Slater. And keep in mind, I, you know, I haven't been on WWE at all. So I'm like, I'm going to be on SummerSlam. And they're like, yeah, yeah. so it's, it's for a SmackDown contract. Daniel Bryan's trying to give him a SmackDown contract. And he's like, and then you upset him and win the match, and you win the contract, which I thought would have been tremendous, by the way, like a way to like <laughs> kick, kick off everything. But then Heath Slater, he was a heel, started getting babyface reactions uh, this because this was two weeks before SummerSlam, they contacted me. He started getting babyface reactions, so they hit me back. Hey, you know we don't want you to be heel. He's getting babyface reactions, so we don't want the crowd split, so we can't do it. I'm like, you guys, this is what the heck? <laughs> like, yeah. so I'm, I'm, you know, at this point, I'm getting a lot of indie bookings and making all of a sudden my paydays went from fifty dollars to five hundred on the indies. <laughs> yeah. Like you know, because people saw me do that raw thing, and I, I was. You know, it's a business. You have to take advantage of your opportunities. And, you know, you got, you know, I have a family. So I was like, man, I think I can get 500 bucks. And, and people were like, oh, your dog, nobody's going to pay you that. Man, I got like that August. I wrestled a lot for 500 Like, I, and I still went to work in my shoot job. That was like a good money making month for me. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, finally, I was running one of my shows on a Friday night. Uh, one of my adrenaline championship wrestling shows at Salisbury, Maryland, I was running. Um, and I got an email and they're like, Hey, we 100% need you for SmackDown on Tuesday. We're going to fly you into San Jose, California Monday. They're like, this is, there's no go back on this. Here's your plane ticket. This is event. He's like, Vince is settling this idea. And I was like, well, last time they saw me, the Miz beat me up and took my spot as AJ's partner. Well, I was talking about AJ looking for a partner, and, you know, Daniel Bryan chose me. But then, like, the Miz beat me up on the stage and um, yeah. took my spot. So, and Miz yeah. was Intercontinental Champion at this time. And I was like, they're going to bring me out to wrestle the Miz for the Intercontinental title. I was like, that's what I was thinking in my head. I was like, or a non-title match. I was like, so the whole flight over there, the flight from Baltimore to San Jose is like six hours. And in my head, I'm like, and on the plane, I'm on YouTube watching nothing but Miz matches. And I was like, man, he's so easy to wrestle. He's so good. I mean, this is a piece of cake. He does everything, you know, like Axel said, you know, slow and methodical and makes everything count. He just, and he doesn't hurt anybody. And, he, you know, he makes sure he doesn't get hurt. He's like, this is, I was like, this is going to be easy. This is going to be fun. I can't wait. And I get there and um, I see Adam Pierce in the parking lot. He's like, and he walks up to me and whispers to me, he's like, what, what if I told you you were pinning the world champion tonight? And I was like, I'd call you a liar. He goes, I don't lie. And he walks away. I'm like, yeah, okay. What a, I did not pay any attention to that. So I sit down to cater and I'm eating. And AJ Styles sit next to me. And he's like, yeah, me and you tonight, kid. And I'm looking at him like, dude, I have so much respect for AJ Styles. And so what, like, and I – in my humbled opinion, he's the best all-around wrestler in the world. So I was like, I, I was like, I'm not wrestling. It was like, well, I was like, these guys. I really now I'm thinking they're all ribbing me. You know, I'm like, these guys are ribbing me. Like, so we go around the ring, and I'm sitting, you know, by the ringside, and I get handed a script for the show, and Arn Anderson goes, Yeah, so you're, you know, Dean Ambrose is going to be the referee, and they bring you out. You know, AJ Styles brings you out to be the opponent. He's like, you know, because uh, I guess Ambrose came out to challenge him. He's like, no, I already beat you. Uh, he's like, I'm going to face this guy. He deserves more of an opportunity than you. And they brought me out. And Daniel Bryan came out. He was the general manager, was like, um, 
you know, that's cool. He's like, I'm a big James Ellsworth fan. I, you know, we'll have a non-title match right here, and Dean Ambrose will be the referee. So when they handed me that script, I was like, wait a minute. this Now this makes sense to me. They're going to have Ambrose cheat and have me win just to um, embarrass AJ. That's the story. I was like, I'm actually going to beat the world champion. And then for the first time and I, since I started wrestling school, man, like I get nervous in a good way because I want to do a good job, but I never get anxiety nervous. Yeah, and yeah. I I go well. I was like, I'm facing AJ Styles. He's the champion, and I'm gonna beat him. I was like, I got scared, like scared, like just like I was shaking. I was pacing the floors. I was calling my like you know friends that work at WWE. We had a, a friend Derek Moore, who's a referee there. Been we've been friends. He him and I went to the same wrestling school, and he he's, he still referees there to this day. And I was like, dude, they're having me wrestle AJ. They're having me beat him because he, he was a referee on Raw, so he wasn't there. And I was like, I don't know what to do. He's like, come to down so yeah you got this oh, it's gonna be easy he's like all you gotta do is sell damn you know how to sell right like he's like yelling at me you know what to do. <laughs> and um, we, we rehearsed the match and we rehearsed everything and um i'm like nervous because i had like again i had so i still to this day but i mean i this this guy was like a god to me like i was so much respect for him and he's such a nice guy on top of everything so I was so nervous and so nervous. And, you know, we practice everything. Everything in practice went great. We practice every little move. Everything went great. Get out there for the match. I'm in front of the crowd. They're chanting my name. And I'm looking across. This is AJ Styles. I'm like, I was like, this is – I'm in a coma. I was like, I'm going to yeah. wake up soon. Like, and then, you know, they, we did the whole thing. Uh, you know, I almost break my neck because I was nervous, but I was okay. And then, um, you know, then they had me pen them. And I'm like <laughs> – and then – I didn't know about this. So they're like, Hey, you got to go to talk and smack. And I'm like, okay, go to talk and smack. Didn't know anything about this. Daniel Bryan goes, so you're the number one contender. Now next week, you're going to face AJ for the title since you just pinned him. And I'm like, what? I get a, I'm wrestling for the title. Like, what, what, what is going on? Like, I, I didn't know. They didn't tell me that until the talk and smack. If you go back and watch that talk and smack, my reaction is genuine. I, I had this, yeah. no clue. And I remember flying home. Like, that's a six-hour flight, and I land. It's funny, I, you know, you're allowed to when you know when you're WWE, you're allowed to have if you want. So I, I was still working part time with the special needs people, and all, and I like went to work, and they're like, "What are you doing here? Didn't you like pin the world champion last night? Like, aren't you going to be like a millionaire? Like, they don't understand, you know?" I'm like, "I'm like, I don't know, I don't know what's going on." Like, I just, I just was in such shock, and. Yeah, the next week we had the title match, and I'll tell you guys, and and then we'll get on to the interview. But th- this is the dream right here. You're in the world title match. You're standing in the ring. The whole crowd's chanting your name. You're in the ring with the best wrestler in the world, and the referee is raising the belt, and you're just looking up at it. I'm like, and I felt that moment. I was like, it's never going to get any better than this, other than if I ever win the title. That'd be the only thing that's better because. Yeah. How many people are going to get this opportunity? I was thinking that. I was like, I'm so great. I was like, if it ends after this match, it, it doesn't matter. I did it. I did what I set out to do. I, Other than I always wanted to be on WrestleMania, I did get to do that, obviously. But, like, I, that was, like, my moment where I, like, wow. Like, you know, they have my T-shirt. People in the crowd are wearing it. I'm seeing it. I'm like, man, this is, this is like a miracle or something. That's incredible. It's insane. Eh? That it's is insane. incredible, right? Like. <laughs> Every journeyman wrestler who, and I can tell James, you're a massive wrestling fan at heart, as well as being in the business as well. So that, you know, there, there's two versions of yourself right there that uh, is taken in that moment. And that is incredible. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> so you've essentially sort of covered how it all sort of was and how it was for you to sort of be in all those matches and um, be actually in WWE after being a fan for so many years. So how was it being suddenly in all these WWE championship matches, being on the first house show for yourself, um, sort of living that dream? Uh, was it everything you expected it to be? Yeah, man, like I have, uh, you know, a lot of guys, again, the social media, see a lot of guys that just left WWE complain about their run. And a lot of these guys held titles. They made a lot of money. I mean, to me, I'm looking at these guys going, you know, we have action figures that these people made of us. We're in video games because of these people. We traveled the world on these people's dimes. We made a lot of money, and you're complaining about your run? I'm like, ew. Like, I had a great, you know, and I had a great time. I had a lot of memorable moments. It was, yeah, it was everything I expected. I I do. I I remember 
like when I was 15, we went to Disney World, my family and I. And it was the first time I ever stayed in a hotel that I remember. I remember going, man, I'd like to do this, travel and stay in hotels and wrestle. I'll, I'll let you know. So I never – that 15-year-old kid that I was, I never left that mindset of, man, this is what I wanted to do. And this now I'm doing it. Like, I see – and I won't name any names. There's plenty of them out there. Just complain about their time at WWE. And, I mean, it's like – again, it's like every other job where there's good days and bad days. But, man, like – like you guys, you know, you're wrestling fans. I, I bet you in your head, you think, man, it'd be great to have your own action figure, oh, yeah. travel the world. You know, like, yeah. We're very blessed people that got to do that. And when I see people, it, it really I, it turns my stomach, man. It really does. And, but yeah, I loved it. I really am grateful for my time there. I hope one day to go back and do some more. You, you know, you never say never. You see a guy like MVP that was gone for eight or nine years. He's back. Shelton Benjamin, John Morrison, like yeah. a lot. Yep. You know, just that. Just they're gone for. I think John Morrison was gone for ten years, eleven years. Like you just and Mickey James was gone for a while. Um, hey, they come back. They get a, another run. I, you know, I hope and pray that that's me one day. And if, and it, but if not, man, I'll always be grateful for my time and uh, always just look at it as such a blessing and a good part of my life. Awesome, man. That's a great, that's a great perspective to have on it. Cause a lot of people, as you said, are very bitter about it. Uh, over to you, Carl. That's, that's what I'm drinking right now. Amy bitter. <laughs> well, I'm going to start uh, drinking when the Ravens start playing. Right now I'm drinking water. It's like nine <laughs> o'clock in the morning over here or nine 30 or whatever it is. But, um, <laughs> so I'll, I'll, I'll have my first drink around 1230. <laughs> so. <laughs> that sounds good. I'll probably still be drinking at that point. Um, <laughs> So I wanted to, uh, I guess, you know, we're winding up. Uh, we've, we've still got a little bit to talk about, but, um, you know, we don't want to take up too much more of your time, James. But um, I wanted to talk about Carmella and uh, being paired with her and what it was like. Uh, uh, for me, like, I always had, like, a massive crush on her. Uh, I think she's actually, a, like, one of the best female performers on the roster. And her name yeah. kind of gets lost in the shuffle there when they're talking about the women's revolution. I really think that her name and like Alexa Bliss as well deserves to be put up there as well as the, the four girls that usually get mentioned. Um, so what was it like working with her and, you know, uh, and how did you find the experience of uh, turning heel and doing all that? Cause I thought that was brilliant. Oh man, working with her was so easy. Like I, I still talk to her to this day. She's just an awesome person. Um, it was her idea for me to work with her. And I remember her coming to me. We were a tour overseas. And she was like, hey, after you're done this AJ Styles, Dean Ambrose stuff, I don't know what they have for you, but I, do you mind if I go to Vince? And um, I asked him to put you with me. And, and, like, the angle is, like, I'm, you know, like I'm making you think that I like you, but I use you to win matches. I'm like, and who's going to tell Carmelo? No, like you said, you know, I'm, and around this time, I'm, you know, I'm like, yeah, just, yeah, I loved Carmelo. Like I, in NXT, I loved her. And when she came, I mean, just beautiful girl, just very, like, I never talk about how hot she is. Cause I got so close to her. Now I don't look at her like that. Cause yeah, it's just, yeah, I get just that friendship. But at first I'm like, Carmelo wants to do an angle with me. Yay. You know, like I was so like, happy, you know, and, um, she, um, uh, so she went to Vince, pitched yeah, Vince loved it. She said he laughed and he loved it. He wanted to do it right away. I don't know what my plan was after Ambrose and uh, AJ, whatever it was. They never told – there was another plan, but I don't know what it was because it got rushed aside for this. He loved it. And I remember at first, like, I was like, man, I hope they start doing something with this. At first, I was like, because this – I was like, there's a lot to do with this angle and at first, I didn't feel like they were doing – we were beating enhancement talent girls. I was helping her beat them. And, like, the crowd was cheering us. I was like – and I wanted to be a heel so bad. Like, they – and they accidentally made me a heel. It was such a dumb finish at a TLC. We're not a dumb finish, but, like, I think I should have been a heel afterwards when I pushed Ambrose off the ladder and he went through the tables and I cost him the match with uh, AJ. And that was the Ellsworth character being a doofus thinking, well, I'll beat AJ three times, so – I get to face the winner of this match. So if AJ wins, I can beat him. I have his number. I'm going to become champion. Right. Then we did the match, and he beat me in like a 30 seconds or whatever. So that was it was a funny payoff. They didn't explain it good enough because they kind of explained it on Talking Smack. And the majority of the audience doesn't watch Talking Smack, just like the majority of the audience isn't on the internet. But um, yeah, so 
I was like, man, I'm going to be a heel. I just turned on Ambrose. Like, Car- like they should explain this. Like, Carmella told me to do that. That would yeah. get her heat and me heat. Like, oh, you don't need him anymore. Come with me. That that They should explain it that way. Like, why did you do that? And then Carmella works in because I told him, you know, Dean Ambrose was holding him down and, you know, and he'd come hang out with me. Don't, don't you want to hang out with me instead of uh, Ambrose? I thought that would have been cool. That just in my head. Yeah, because it but makes anyway, sense because anyone would choose her over Dean Ambrose. Uh, I think. Dude, like, yeah. <laughs> and all right, I was in bed. I, um, so anyway, like AJ beat me up and then she came in, felt sorry for me is the whole thing. And um, so at first, for a couple of months there, we weren't really doing much, just beating extra talent. I remember, I'll never forget this. We go to see Vince. They're like, Vince wants to see you guys. And Road Dog, who's the head writer at SmackDown, one of the head writers at SmackDown at the time, Vince McMahon, me, and Carmella are in this, this room, just us four. And this is like, you know, I want to get some heat with this. How do we get some heat? And to me, it was so simple and easy. You know, like people go, oh, Vince has lost, he's lost touch, he's lost his mind. No, I just think there's so much going on at WWE. He can't remember every little thing. There's just a lot. <laughs> so I'll go, well, sir, I've just been helping her beat extra talent girls that nobody knows. And the crowd's kind of cheering us because they don't know them and they just think me and Carbon Bell together is funny. <laughs> like they just, at right, this point, yeah. they just think it's, and they don't care about the girls we're beating. I said, as soon as I help her beat one of the girls on the roster, We'll get some heat. It's that easy. Like that. I yeah. thought. Like I, I thought it was a dumb question. Like I was like, "What does he really just ask me that?" Like this is easy. So that night on SmackDown, because this meeting happened right before SmackDown, they're like, "He's like, well, what's Carmella doing?" And Carmella was wrestling Becky Lynch, and she was supposed to lose. And they switched to finish to me helping her uh, beat Becky that night. And the crowd just booed and like a lot, lot of heat. And we get to the back, and Vince is like, "You hear that? Now that's heat. That was great." I'm like, to me, I was like. That was so easy. Like, what? Like, you didn't, like, I don't know. <laughs> and um, so Vince, he really loved Carbell and I together at, at first and had a lot of time he invested in that. Like, we did the whole thing where she took me shopping and, and changed my clothes. And then, um, obviously, we got some money in the bank, and that was our moment. That's what the Ellsworth character will never be forgotten because anytime they have a women's money in the bank, I think the fans are going, remember the first one when that little asshole took the, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. like, so, and that, I mean, that was such a good moment for me. Like I remember climbing the ladder and if you go back and watch that, the crowd's going nuts. I think they wanted me to grab the briefcase, take it down and run through the crowd and steal it. I think that's what the audience wanted me to do. Because as right. soon as I grabbed it, again, they popped. As soon as I handed it down to her, they started billing. And I was like, that's – we got them. Like, I ruined the first ever women's money bank. <laughs> I cheated for Carmella. Like, and that was the heat. And, you know, we always had the second one planned because we knew that would get that type of reaction. So we had the second one planned for a week later on SmackDown. And, and the ratings for that SmackDown was, like, the number one rated SmackDown of the year that year. Wow. Because we did that. And – um. And I remember then it was crazy because I, I, you know, again, I've been watching wrestling my whole life. So I started going, well, why does the Carmella character need Ellsworth anymore? She has the briefcase. I don't really need that. I was like, they should have her say, I don't need you anymore. I have this scram, you know, and like, I should be a baby face again. But they felt like I was such a good heel. They were like, well, we can't turn you baby face. You're too good of a heel. They didn't know really what to do with me. And I was like, I had all these ideas and guys, you got to remember, like I tell everybody this. I didn't go through NXT. I didn't go through the Performance Center. They have time and money invested in those um, wrestlers, those performers that go through the Performance Center, that go through NXT. I'm taking up all this TV time. I'm not one of their guys. The whole time I wasn't one of their guys. I was a guy that Vince saw something in, five foot eight, 160 pounds, doesn't look GQ. You know, when he signed me, he's like, I'm going to give you two years. He's like, that's probably all you're going to get, bud. You're going to get to do all this cool stuff. And I was like, I'll take it two years. So they tried other stuff, this dog leash stuff. It really worked. It was really just – it felt um, just weird. And I think it was weird for the audience. So they stopped that. And they didn't really know what to do. Carmella had the briefcase. They knew she wasn't going to cash it in until after WrestleMania. So they let me go for a while, but when they even when they called me to let me go, they're like, "You'll be back." They're like, "Go on the Indies, have fun, make your money." He's like, "They're like, they, they told me they're like, you're gonna make great money on the Indies because you did such a good run here at WWE. Like, people are gonna book you so much." They're like, 
don't sign anywhere else unless you absolutely want to, but we'll have you back here. And so when they released me, seven months later, I came back at um, the Money in the Bank the following year and helped Carmelo get through Oscar or whatever. And um, that's where, I, like, you know, I had – I think I was on TV for two months after that. And that's where I would – you know, they, they kind of got uh, Carmelo through her title run with me because at SummerSlam yeah. she was losing the title to uh, Charlotte and, and um, Charlotte and Becky in the three-way. So I couldn't be there for that. So they wrote me off again, had me fired. I'm like, all right, well – what are they going to do next with the Ellsworth character? There could be something really cool they could do after Carmella. And we never got to that point, which that's, the, you know, I'm not mad or bitter about it, but I'm like, man, I, w- I wonder what they, you know, if, if they could have done something else um, after that. They brought me back for SmackDown 1000. And I was, <laughs> I was supposed to wrestle Daniel Bryan on SmackDown 1000. And AJ was going to be the referee when AJ and Daniel Bryan were feuding. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> and that, Dude, so I've never been sadder in my life. I get there, Daniel Bryan and I are about to get in the ring and practice the match. We're like, oh, Vince wants the Usos to wrestle tonight, so they're going to do uh, Daniel Bryan and AJ and a tag team against the Usos because, you know, and Daniel Bryan and AJ are feuding at the time. They just had me do, like, a backstage complaining about not being on the show. And that was wow. the only time I was really, really sad there. I was like, man, I wanted to wrestle Daniel Bryan. <laughs> you know, well, I never got, got the better writing. <laughs> oh, it would have been. I think it would have been more memorable. But I mean, things change there all the time. I never get mad about it. But I haven't been back since. You know, I've been through a lot of crazy stuff since. But I figure at some point I will be. Like, I'd love to go back and do stuff with our truth. I think people would like that. You know, the twenty-four-seven title stuff. Like, I think the Ellsworth character was meant for that. You know, that yeah. that angle with our truth and twenty-four. So you never say never, but I had an outstanding run. I had a great time. I have no regrets, and I loved every minute of it. I have nothing but fond memories and um, uh, gratitude for that time in my life in WWE. Awesome, awesome man. man. Uh, Jack, I think uh, everything that we have uh, written down has been covered. That was all just that was pretty much. All yeah. like that, yeah, we've easy. Actually, we've actually hit the hour on the dot, but uh, uh, so I go. guess we should get to five-second frenzy before we're done, Jack. Yep. Cool. Uh, uh, before we actually get to that segment, though, I just want to actually give you the opportunity to plug um, the, uh, your re- uh, professional wrestling uh, federation, the Adrenaline Championship Wrestling, I believe it was called. That's right. It's AdrenalineWrestling.com. It's um, ACW underscore pro on Twitter. We just made our Twitter. Adrenaline Wrestling on Instagram. And then my personal stuff. Book me on Cameo at Cameo. Um, search James Ellsworth. Then my Twitter's at Real Ellsworth. My Instagram's at James Ellsworth Wrestling. And then I have this TikTok thing my fiance made me create. <laughs> I don't know. It's James Ellsworth and family on TikTok. <laughs> my fiance, who was, I don't know if you guys have seen a picture of her, I overachieving again. More Me being with her is more <laughs> of an overachievement than being with WWE. I, uh, she used to wrestle herself. I've known her since 2011. She quit the business 2012, but. When I met her in 2011, I, I told her back then, I was like, yeah, I'm going to marry you one day. She's like, oh, I have a boyfriend, but that's sweet. And she <laughs> dated that guy for six years, and they broke up in 2017, and I was great on it. You know, it took a while, but <laughs> I finally, you know, we've been together for three and a half years, and uh, we're very close. We have a very good time. I, she's helped me mature and grow up a lot, something that I really needed. And, um, you know, because I used to be girl crazy, but now I'm not so girl crazy because I'm only crazy for this girl, so. I wanted to add that in there. That's awesome, awesome. James. Good, great things come to those that wait. That's yep. right. Um, okay, James. So this last segment's called Five Second Frenzy. I've got like just 10 questions, but they're quick fire answers. And uh, just to learn a little bit more about you. Cool. Okay. So the first question is your favorite wrestler? Shawn Michaels and Chris Jericho. It's a tie there. Uh, the favorite match you've ever had? Ladder match with AJ, AJ Styles and SmackDown for my SmackDown contract. Uh, your favorite opponent that you've ever had? Uh, John Cena, because he's the top guy in the business at the time. And for the last almost 20 years, he's been the top guy. So I was very honored that I got to be in the ring with him. Cool, man. Um, your favorite film? Oof, Rocky. Rocky movies. Love them. Awesome. Uh, your favorite TV show? Married with children. <laughs> <Love it. laughs> great, great. Fuck yeah. Um, your favorite food? 
Oh, pizza. Who doesn't love pizza? I'm going to order a pizza as soon as we're done with this conversation. <laughs> oh, yeah. We've had that answer a few times. Uh, your favorite place to eat on the road? Wow, that's that's a bit... Uh, um, Buffalo Wild Wings. I love it. Love Buffalo nice. Wild Wings. Uh, your favorite alcoholic beverage? Twisted Tea. You guys ever have it? No. I've heard of it. Uh, look it up. Twisted Tea half and half is my favorite. But look it up, Twisted Tea. Dude. It's it's like it tastes like McDonald's sweet tea with alcohol in it. It's amazing. Yeah, I'm going to try that. Twisted Hell, it's great. Tea. I'm just writing that down. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, your favorite female body part? Um, my fiance's uh, buttocks is very beautiful. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, and lastly, James, uh, your favorite curse word? I say "son of a bitch" a lot. I call people that all the time. I think "son of a bitch" would be. It's just a. It's a funny. Uh, remember when Chris Jericho used to call people "santimonious sons of bitches"? Yeah, yeah. Like, you santimonious son of a bitch. I was like, "What does santimonious mean?" Like, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, I love that. That's probably the best one, actually. Yeah. That's excellent, man. Well, thank you very much, James, uh, for being with us here tonight. Really appreciate it. Your journey. Uh, in life is one that is inspiring and you just were able to make your dream, dreams come true and things just snowballed. And for me and Jack here in Perth, Western Australia, the most isolated city in the world, we appreciate that story so much. And you should be I so proud. I love Australia, by the way. We I love our, We'll have a barbecue. I've been talking to the AWF guys. So hopefully whenever, okay. I don't know if you guys know that. Are you guys familiar with TNT? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I got to know him a little bit because um, I do GSMW, which is big, like, uh, video game outlet out there. And I've gotten to know them guys a little bit. So whatever this craziness adds, this, uh, you know, craziness, I'll just put. <laughs> like, uh, hopefully I'll be – I love Australia, so I want to definitely come there and do some indies for sure. Yeah, yeah we'll get you in touch. Worth Australian tour. That'll be cool. That'd be we'll great, be- man. I would love it. We'll get you in touch for sure with the promoters over here. I'm sure that'd be over the moon to have you, man. Yeah, man, you guys have my Facebook, my uh, emails. I mean, I, dude, I trust me. I, I want to come back and um, do some stuff there for sure. It'd be awesome. I love it down there. Down under, you know. <laughs> cool, brother. Well, uh, thank you again, James. I uh, really appreciate your time tonight. Appreciate you guys. I had a lot of fun. Thank you, brother. And uh, you. that was the podcast here in conjunction with the WWA Network. This is myself, California, and uh, yeah. we will see you next time. Thank you. Take care, guys.